0: So we are coming from Joshua chapter 5 verses 13 to chapter 6 verse 11 and I'm reading from the New International Version. Now when Joshua was near Jericho he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked are you for us or for our enemies? Neither he replied but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there.
1: This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. You know it won't return void. We pray, Lord, that it would fall on fertile soil this morning, that our hearts would be soft, ready to receive what you would have to say to us through the scriptures. And pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, that's enough. I was going to go 60 seconds, but 30 was definitely enough waiting. The title of today's message is Waiting on God. Was that the only one who felt like that was an eternity? It was only 30 seconds. When time isn't filled with activity or movement or action, it can feel long, right? And when God doesn't seem to be moving or acting or responding, it can not only feel long, but painful sometimes. Today's a, a bit of a transition week for us. We finished our Come Holy Spirit series last Sunday. Uh, we'll move on to a new study next week in 1 Corinthians, uh, in, an insightful letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth that helps the church embrace and focus on its calling and its purpose. I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a, a really interesting series. But God sp- uh, spoke a very significant word to our church around Easter time about being in a Saturday kind of a season. Between Friday and Saturday, where there's waiting and, and doubt and unknowing and hoping, um, and so I felt like as before we move on to our uh, our next series next starting next week, that um, it was worth opening Joshua chapter six and thinking about what it means to wait on God. Um, it's an awesome story: marching around the city, uh, blowing trumpets, uh, uh, and and you know now shout and the walls come tumbling down. You know this this. Uh, uh, Really interesting you know, kid's story. For those who aren't, um, well, not just kid's story, it's in the Bible, but a common Sunday school story. For those who aren't too familiar with it, a um, little recap. Um, taking the city of Jericho, which is what we read about, was the first step into the promised land for God's people in that era. Having been released from captivity in Egypt, uh, God promised his people, the Israelites, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now it was right in front of them. This, the start of it being the city of Jericho. The problem was there were already people there. They weren't friendly people. So it was like, well, what do we do now? They got scared. They, they whinged. They had to have God teach them a lesson after they spied it out and then said, no, we can't do this. Um, and, and long story short, we'll do a bit more of that story in a second. But God finally says to Joshua, the new leader, it's time. March around the walls six times, on the seventh day, seven times, and the walls will come crumbling down. And so that's sort of the story in a nutshell. just like Noah in the Ark, Jonah in the Whale, Daniel in the Lion's Den, it then becomes a famous kids' Bible story with a Sunday school song attached.. <laughs>
0: Of the of Jericho. And, and the
1: walls came tumbling, tumbling down. Okay, now with actions. Jo- no. no. <laughs> jo- so famous you know story in the Bible. Uh, I'm sure the kids even built a little Jericho two weeks ago when they were here in our all-age service with the blocks. The thing is, Joshua, I think, would have hated that song because it doesn't. Tell anywhere near the whole story. The seven days walking around the city was not some fun little Boy Scout expedition that God said, Okay, now you're out of Egypt, let's do a little and the walls will come tumbling down. It wasn't like they were in Egypt one day, and which was a big deal then being released from Egypt, if you know the story of the Exodus. And the next day, it wasn't like God just said, Okay, now we're gonna go for a little march and this is gonna happen. It was 40 years. 40 years, plus a little bit more, but 40 years since Joshua had to see after the spies went into the land to scoop it out and they came back and 10 of them said, no, this isn't going to work, 40 years Joshua had to wait to see a whole generation of freed Israelites pass away so that a new generation would inherit the promise given to their forefathers. He had to wait for that 40 years. Forty long years and a bit more of, of complaining to Joshua's predecessor, Moses. Why did you bring us out of the, de- out to the desert to die? We, at least we had food when we were slaves. You know, all, all this stuff going on and on and on. Forty years of wandering in circles on a path to the promised land that some scholars and researchers think should have taken, if they'd gone directly there, eleven days 11 days it could have been, and instead it takes 40 years wandering. And so Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. It's not even close to the full story. Not even close. God's promises rarely happen overnight. Sometimes the healing that we're praying for, or or the freedom from an addiction, or the breakthrough in in a tough situation Or that person we're praying for that they would come to Jesus. These things can take a long, long, long time with a lot more to it than what we see on the surface. Imagine with me for a second a different Joshua. This Joshua is living in the 21st century. And um, this Joshua came to know God, but his life was a mess. So imagine that this Joshua, um, he, he didn't have a good father figure. He, he, his life uh, was a, a, a bit of a mess, and he didn't know how to have a healthy relationship. Uh, he hadn't been taught that. He was addicted to pornography. He gambled on the weekends. Uh, he, he put on a brave face at work, um, but even after becoming a Christian, he battled with anxiety and, and depression and loneliness. After a while, this Joshua, he got in a small group. He was getting a bit better um, he had a, a, a steady girlfriend, but then this girlfriend dumped him, and he just sank again. Went back into old habits. Eventually, he he a little bit longer. He trying to just trying to fight this. He he manages to deal with the gambling thing and get rid of that. But he's um, and he's getting some counseling. But the pornography addiction and the anxiety and the depression it's just still there, same as it always was. Eventually, this Joshua he seems to be improving, and and he tells some people. About his challenges and 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 starts to get a bit free, but then it, it just sort of seemed to unravel again, and he and he started to really doubt God, and now it's really dark. Are you even there for me, God? I gave I gave my heart to you, and 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 it just seems like my life's getting worse. And lots of people are praying and nurturing him, and and he and he turned a corner one day, and he and and eventually he manages to start to knock these addiction this addiction on the head and 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 now he's getting counseling and and he's it's a bit he's getting healthier and he's in a good relationship with other people with uh, good relationships and he's getting extern, external support and finally joshua can see that he is getting free from all this stuff and his life is turning around he's now free from that old life so that's 21st century joshua And then imagine someone writes a song about him. Joshua was depressed and addicted to porn, addicted to porn, addicted to porn. Joshua was depressed and addicted to porn. Then he prayed and now he's fine. Stupid song. (laughs) Ridiculous. There's so much more to the story than that song. Who would write a song like that? And yet... We can write these kinds of songs into our situations all the time. Well, if, maybe if there's nothing happening, we just need to do this and it'll all be fine. Have you prayed about this? Maybe if we just you know, uh, uh, get in a small group, it'll all, it'll all get better. Maybe, maybe if we... J- like it's simple. Rather than a persevering, waiting... Agonizingly long seeking God until eventually, slowly, he brings about the things he has promised. Have a, another look at chapter 5, uh, verses 13 to 15. The story usually, we usually started in chapter 6, where it says, God said to Joshua, walk around the walls of Jericho. But the last three verses of chapter 5 are really important where, where Francis started reading today. This is before the command to go march around Jericho. And it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Great question to ask. Never assume a dude with a weapon is on your side. Neither, the man replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, here's what I would say at that point, if I'm Joshua. Hallelujah! It's time. Let's do this, people. 40 years of waiting and it's time to take Jericho. Let's do this. And God even sent us angelic reinforcement, baby. But Joshua responds very, very differently. Because he's learned by this point that taking things into his own hands is a bad idea majority of the spies sent out to scope Jericho. They did that. They only, only Joshua and Caleb came back thinking, maybe God will do this. And so what happens is the commander of the Lord's army comes, and here's what happened. Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Are we waiting for God to come and back up our desires Or are we waiting for him to come and show us whatever he wants to show us? Because while we may think that we're ready, we've waited long enough, it's time, let's do this, God actually knows better than us. Here's the final verse of the chapter after Joshua asks, What message do you have for me? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua said, What are you talking about? We need to get Jericho. No. <laughs> Joshua did so. The message from God here is twofold. Here's what it means: this, this verse. Take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. First of all, the message from God is worship me. I want you to worship me, to be in reverence and awe and honor, honor me. Don't charge into battle. Give me your honor, your respect, your worship. This is what removing sandals was about in that culture, a sign of honor and respect. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. Towards God, of course, it was a sign of worship. He doesn't want our boldness, our drive, our our help. He wants our worship. Think of the woman who poured out uh, a whole bottle of expensive perfume at the feet of Jesus her whole life savings, basically, on to the feet of Jesus. And the religious guys are there saying, what a waste, That that money could have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus says, no, this woman has done an incredible, an incredible thing to honor me. When we attend here on Sunday, when you attend here on Sunday morning, and not just attend, but worship, like actually really pour yourself out, before God. That is what God wants. That is what He's after. Of course, it's it's for us as well. It's not just for God. When we worship, where something changes in us, but to be refilled and refreshed, and, and I'll get onto that. But ultimately, what God wants is for us to worship him, to honor him first. Following that and, and connected with that, here's what else the message to take off the sandals is about. God is saying to Joshua. As you now honor and worship me, I will use you to bring about a miracle, just as I did it through who? Moses, before you. God wants to work through those who worship Him. See, this had happened before. Take off your your shoes because you're on holy ground. Who did that happen to? Moses, at the burning bush. Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals, and I'm going to use you to free my people from Egypt when we worship God especially in times of painful waiting rather than complaining or just trying to push forward what we do is we position ourselves to be used by God in far greater ways than if we just went forward by ourselves if Joshua upon seeing the commander of the Lord's armies said great let's do this I wonder if things might have turned out very differently in this whole story, whether we would have been singing Joshua, the Battle of Jericho, or whether there would have been another 40 years. So how do we wait and worship in, in, in that place of waiting, not going ahead of God? How do we do this? How do we wait on God, worship God in the waiting, waiting for Him to lead us forward? I think we need to recognize two things. I hope this is helpful this morning that our perspective is limited and our progress isn't always obvious. I already mentioned that seven days around the the walls of Jericho is such a small part of the story that there's a whole lot more to it um, than just those seven days. If we're hoping and praying for, for something and going, God, why aren't you giving me a Jericho command so we can get this show on the road, we might be forgetting that we are a little like the Israelites collectively. And we and, and God needs the wilderness to happen sometimes so that something old in us can die first. Because God usually does something within us before he does something for us. What is it in your life, whether it's an old perspective or an old habit or or something that's still lingering that creates doubt in God, not faith, but it is going to stop you from moving to the place where God wants you. That may need to die inside first because God often does something in you before he does something for you. Maybe in waiting for that job or, or, or waiting for the that healing or waiting for that person to come back, waiting for a, a prayer to be answered. He's doing something important in you. While you wait, But we're also very much like the Israelites as they marched around the walls of Jericho. Remember, Joshua had, had God's promise. Um, march around six times, then on the seventh day, march around seven times, blow the horns, da-da-da. But that was Joshua. The people, I don't know if you notice this, but the people, all the rest of them, had only one step at a time. You can read the passage and check this. Joshua didn't tell them, we're going to walk once a day for six days, but don't worry if it all feels pointless and like nothing's happening because on the seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times and then there's going to be a miracle when we play the horns. So just trust me on this. God told me. He doesn't say that. So their perspective was limited and their progress was not obvious at all to them. And most of these guys were military trained Imagine a few days into this. They're walking around the walls of Jericho, three, four days in. What on earth are we doing? Uh, I mean, does this guy Joshua think he's Moses or something? Let's just storm the gates already. Come on. Or, or maybe if they did have trust and they were hoping for this miracle, maybe they are thinking, man, this is not working. We're, we're like six days into this. How many more times do we need to do this ritual? The progress was not obvious, which may be why Joshua said this. Verse 10, Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then, shout. Maybe this was intentional, in in the because often the greatest enemy to our trust in God is our mouth. When we whine and we question, and then we instill doubt in one another. Oh man, what's going on? Oh, we're really? Walk around the walls another day. We did the same yesterday, and nothing happened. Sometimes the greatest enemy to our faith in God and what He can do is the tongue. And maybe Joshua was saying, you guys just need to zip it until I tell you to talk. What if we just kept quiet and listened sometimes? God, what are you saying? Uh, there's another story in the, the Bible that comes to mind with, in this kind of thing. Daniel, many centuries later, similar experience. He's praying and fasting for, for a breakthrough in his situation, 21 days in. Which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when you're fasting, that's a lot of time. (laughs) Fasting is not, even if it's a partial fast, like Daniel was doing. But 21 days in, the angel Gabriel comes to him. And you might know the story. The angel Gabriel comes and says, God heard your prayers from day one, Daniel. I was just tied up battling a demon prince. So it took me a while to get here to deliver God's message to you. Huh can't always see the bigger picture. Our perspective is limited. Progress isn't always obvious. And so whatever it is that you're waiting on God for this morning, maybe you're closer than you think. Maybe you feel like you're walking around the walls of Jericho and you're praying for that family member to get healed. And you feel like God has promised that it's going to happen, but it's not happening. And that's like day one. And then you feel like, okay, now I'm on day two. God, I'm up in the ante. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. God, please, you said you would do this. Uh, You said that you would bring that friend of mine to Christ, Lord. They seem so close and yet so far. And now you feel like it's day three. And you're going, God, please, please, God, please, can you do God, you can do this. Why don't you do this? Please, God. And then you feel like it's day four and you're starting at God. God, what are you doing? God, we've been waiting on you for this, this thing for so long. Lord, you, you, you love this person. You want to bring them. You love this person. You want to heal them. Uh, you love this person. You want to provide for them. And then it's day five and you're going, God, where are you? God, where are you? We, we don't know what else. God, please, come on. And, and you get to day six, and it's like oh, you just go, God, this is the same. What is going on, God? Please, please, God, what is happening? And you get to say day six, and maybe you go, you know what? It's time to stop. I feel like the Lord would want to say to a few people this morning, don't quit on six. Don't stop on six. Because your perspective is limited, and progress isn't always obvious. Maybe you're on day six and you're that close to day seven, where one more time and the breakthrough will happen, or maybe you're on day four, or day two, or day five. Progress isn't always obvious. But don't quit on six. Don't quit on two. Don't quit on one. Don't quit on four. Don't quit on any of them. Wait until day seven. And so God, as we come before you this morning, you and only you know what is on our hearts. You and only you know the things which we are waiting on you for. Things which we, we, we think you've promised for us, but we, we, we start to doubt and we're not sure. And even those promises, Lord, It's impossible to know for sure that you've said it. And so, Lord, only you know those things on every one of our hearts. But we bring them to you today. And we say, God, we place them in your hands. Help us to wait on you. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, who is good, who loves us, whom we can trust completely. And as we wait, help us, Lord, to be in a place of worship. just like Joshua, taking off our shoes because we're on holy ground, bowing the knee before you and saying, God, you and you alone are God. What message would you have for us today? We have our plans. But we want to know your plans, God. We want to follow you. We commit ourselves to you today in that. In Jesus' name.